Welcome to Cybersecurity Unplugged, the cyber theory podcast where we explore issues that matter in the world of cybersecurity. Good day, everyone. I'm Steve King, the Managing Director at Cyber Theory, and today's episode is going to explore the current state of affairs in cybersecurity education. Joining me today is Dr. Heather Monthy, an accomplished cybersecurity professional, leader, author, podcaster, and mentor. Heather's been in cybersecurity, computer science, IT, and aviation, along with STEM education for 25 years. She has served as the vice president, dean, and professor of IT and cybersecurity at Grand Canyon University here in Arizona, and has served in leadership positions in STEM and CTE education in K-12, as well as higher ed. Heather currently serves on the board of directors for the Arizona Cyber Initiative, a nonprofit dedicated to high school cybersecurity education. And she has served on Arizona Governor Ducey's Arizona Cyber Team as a higher education representative and the co-chair of the Collegiate Working Group of the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education, aka NICE. In addition, she's uh, worked with Code.org to help train Arizona high school teachers in computer science. Heather's bachelor's degrees in computer science and has a master's with a computer science emphasis and a PhD in information technology. She also holds a certified cybersecurity systems architect certification. So without further ado, welcome, Heather. I'm glad you could join me today. Thank you for having me, Steve. Sure. Let's start with Grand Canyon University. You you had a significant impact on the university's success with the NSA and the DHS, and you guys got awarded that prestigious National Center of Academic Excellence in Cyber Defense Education, that CAE-CD designation. How did you pull that off? Yes, that was a, a large undertaking that didn't happen. It happened only with the help of a lot of really smart and talented people. You know, I was brought into GCU about six years ago to start up the technology division of of their programs. They were interested in getting started in STEM. I had been working in STEM education for many years, um, and I'd gone into schools that had existing programs, and I was helping to reform them, you know, help them be much more efficient, um, have better outcomes, that kind of thing. The opportunity at GCU was really for me to take everything that I learned from coming into schools and helping, you know, turn around their programs and build something up, you know, from scratch the right way the first time. And so I knew that, you know, coming into that role, I had, I had two people on the team. I knew coming into that role that there was, there were certain people's and certain skill sets that I needed to build out in order to make that department successful. And one being, you know, people who are very good and adept at understanding cybersecurity, but also understanding what accreditors and, um, you know, what the NSA is looking for and that kind of thing. And so, um, you developing that program, you know, from, from the, from the ground up was, it required us to really fully understand exactly what NSA and DHS are looking for with that CAE designation and then building the program to, to meet those needs. And then making sure that we're staying on top of timelines and paperwork and deadlines and all that kind of fun stuff that goes with goes with applying for that. So, you know, I had a really, really strong team there that, you know, just was very dedicated to making sure that, that we got this designation um, and they were very passionate about it. And um, with a lot of hard work and teamwork, uh, we were able to make it happen. 
Yeah, I'll bet. How long did the whole process take? Well, you can apply for that designation once you have a graduate. So with a four-year degree, you 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 develop a program and, you know, realistically, you don't have your first graduates until three to four years into the program, because oftentimes you'll get you'll get students who transfer into the program from other schools. So it's not, it doesn't necessarily need to be four years, but then once you have that first graduate, then you can apply for that designation. And um, it's about a year, year and a half long process after that. And do they review the curriculum and the syllabus and uh, for all the coursework or? Correct. Yeah. So what they do is they, they have a set of standards, a set of um, their, their knowledge, skills, abilities, things that, that need to be covered in your curriculum. And they give you, you know, a certain number of things that they say, okay, these, these topics need to be covered in your curriculum. These are mandatory and then these are optional. And so what you have to do is you have to take your curriculum and align it to that and say, okay, if we're teaching, you know, malware analysis, here's where we're teaching it. Here's where, where we're assessing it. Here's the homework assignment, you know, that kind of thing. So we really have to align it for them and then they come in and then they review it and take a look at it and make sure that it, that it meets their standards. Well, congratulations. That was hard-earned for sure. Thank you. Um, yes, it was a lot of work. Yeah, I'll bet. You know what I'm doing over here with CyberEd, and uh, one of our passions is uh, trying to push cybersecurity or education down further than high school into the kind of K-12 through area. And you wrote a book, I think, titled Beginner's Guide to Developing a High School Security Program, I think. Yes. And that was what designed to help homeschool families and and high school teachers support uh, support their children to learn more about cybersecurity. Right. Yeah. So I wrote it because a lot of people were reaching out to me. I have a pretty strong background in K twelve. I'm a, I'm licensed in computer science to teach at the K twelve level. So I have a pretty strong background in K twelve, and that's where I started my education career. I taught I taught kindergarten through fifth grade computers. I taught five year olds how to use a mouse. And how to press control, delete to log onto the computer, all the way up to, you know, teaching intermediate and middle school kids how to how to make websites and that kind of thing. And so over the years, I've had so many people come to me and asking questions. You know, we you know, cybersecurity is a hot topic right now. It's much needed. There's you know, three million plus jobs open worldwide. So a lot of schools are starting to recognize that they need to build cybersecurity into their into their courses or into their their offerings. But then on the other side of that, too, is that they're they're also realizing that we need to teach five, six, seven, eight-year-olds how to be safe online and how to, you know, use technology safely. Much like, you know, you know, when I was growing up in the 80s, you, the, the police department would come and they would teach it, talk to us about, you know, being safe in the parking lot, you know, at the playground and look both ways before you cross the street. Well, now it's a whole different world. So a lot of schools are recognizing that they need to teach kids how to be what they're calling good digital citizens or having good cyber hygiene, but then also how do we help start preparing them for careers in cybersecurity? So I had so many people reaching out to me looking for help. And so what I decided to do is just take what I know and I I put it down into a book and I offer that up, you know, for for people who are interested in learning more about how to develop a cybersecurity program at the K-12 level. I designed it in a way that it could easily be used by homeschool families who are looking to supplement their STEM curriculum that they're using in their homeschool curriculum. And also just, you know, parents who are 
Like, you know, my kid has shown an interest in this and I have no idea what to do or what kind of resources are out there. And so that's that what I did is just put all that information together in a book to just to kind of say, okay, here, read through this. If you need help, reach out, let me know. And we'll go from there. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and I think that uh, that description that you just made fits uh, high school teachers as well. And I that has occurred to us to be one of the major sort of stumbling blocks about educating high school kids and in, in how to live safely in a digital world. Have you gotten pushback from teachers or have they been receptive? Teachers have been very receptive. They're very interested. And I think the ones that are really interested in this are the ones that are getting the book, the ones that are reaching out to me. You know, I'm not forcing this down anybody's throat um, at all. This is just, if you're, if you're interested in doing this, here's my experience and, and some of the, the research that's out there and that if you, if you're open and willing to listen or, you know, and read and learn, here it is. I think that uh, what happens is sometimes you know, anybody that's worked in K-12 knows that teachers are very much overloaded, especially right now. Um, and they're trying to figure out, you know, how to, how to keep learning happening during, during the pandemic. And so when, you know, their administrators or their principal or superintendent or somebody says, well, we should be teaching cybersecurity. Sometimes they look at it as like, okay, this is just one more thing that you're adding onto my plate and one more thing that I have to do. It's been really positive for me because, you know, the people that are finding the book and the people that are reaching out to me are the, are the people that are, you know, yes, I'm ready to do this. You know, I, I know it's important and I'm ready to do this. So it's been, it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience speaking with some of these, with some of the, the teachers and the principals and superintendents and even parents. No, it's good to hear. In the context of fascinating careers, Heather, you, you're also an FAA certified flight instructor and a commercial pilot with an instrument rating. And, and I understand that you also pilot unmanned aircraft as well. What, what got you interested in flying in drones? Yes. Yeah. I know it, it, sometimes it seems like it's a little disjointed, but when I was in kindergarten, I took a field trip through my school. We went to the local airport and I saw an airplane, just a little tiny two-seat airplane land and take off, which I now know is called a touch and go. And I was just hooked on it. I was like, I'm going to do that someday. I want to do this. This is so cool. I'm sort of a a unicorn in the sense that most people that are involved in aviation, they have a family member who was involved in it, their dad, their grandpa, their mom, their, you know, their grandmother, somebody like that. Whereas in my family, you know, I didn't really have that. And so I took that, went to that, did that field trip, hooked on aviation, you know, ever since I was a little kid and I had fully intended on becoming an airline pilot. Um, that was my plan. And so I started working on all the different ratings. So the way flying works, it's a little, it's a little backwards where, you know, in many other careers, people will go out and they'll have a very long and good career in something. And then they'll, they'll say, okay, I'm done doing that. I want to go and teach. But with flying, what you do is you start out, you get your commercial pilot's license, and then you go teach to build up hours before you go work for an airline. And so I got my flight instructor license right around the same time I graduated college when I got my computer science degree. And the computer science degree was supposed to be the backup plan in case something happened to my health or something like that. And I could no longer be an airline pilot. Well, this was right around the time I, I graduated college, got my flight instructor certificate right after 9-11 happened. So what had happened with the airline industry is it tanked completely and it didn't come back for, for many years after that. So it was really, you know, I was in my early 20s and I'm looking at this saying, okay, I need to figure out what my career is going to be and I just need to pivot a little bit here. So um, I used the backup <laughs> backup computer science degree and I've had, a, I've had a really good career as a result and it's taken me in a a completely different direction than, than what I thought that I was going to take when I was a kid, but I love it. And it's a wonderful hobby of mine. 
And I'm, I'm, you know, I actually met my husband through aviation. So it's been a, it's been a big part of my life since I was in kindergarten. That's a great story. How did you get interested in computer science? That's actually kind of another funny story. My mother used to make me take summer school classes in the summer, not because I needed remediation or anything, but it was because she didn't want me sitting around doing nothing all summer long. So she would register me for summer school classes. And the summer between seventh and eighth grade, I wanted to take a pottery class and the pottery class was full. It was either that or I was the only person that registered for it. So they didn't run it. So they, they said, what is your favorite subject in school? And I said, well, math is my favorite subject. And she said, the woman that was registering me, she said, well, there's this thing called computer programming that, you know, people who are good at math, they, they seem to be good at this. So maybe you might be interested in doing this. You're going to learn how to make a video game on a computer. And this was back in the days of Oregon Trail. And, you know, so I'd played that. I'm like, okay, well, I can do that. That, <laughs> that might be fun. And so I took a class in basic programming. It was that programming language was called basic learned how to make a video game on the computer, didn't think twice of it at all. Like even just in high school, I just used a computer to write papers and that kind of thing. Never thought twice about it until I got into, got into college and had another class when I was like, okay, this is, this is kind of fun. Like I kind of like this. <laughs> a very similar uh, background in that regard. And, you know, in back in my day, <laughs> IBM used to, used to uh, give you a math test. If you pass the math test, you could become an assembler language programmer the next day, which is kind of what happened to me too. So it's interesting. What are you doing now with cybersecurity education? Are you still with Grand Canyon? And kind of bring me up to speed on what you're currently up to. Yeah, so I'm no longer with Grand Canyon uh, University. I left there um, earlier this year. I'm taking a little different direction in my career. I'm working on a couple different things on the side. Um, I'm working on, you know, I'm part of the Arizona Cyber Initiative, which is a nonprofit that is developing boot camps for kids who want to learn um, cybersecurity and even teachers. And so I'm doing some consulting with some high schools and potentially even some middle schools that are trying to develop cybersecurity programs in their schools and just doing some, giving some support there as well. Um, I am working in the aerospace industry in cybersecurity. So it's really cool for me to be able to take my love of aviation and my love of cybersecurity and bring the two together. And so that's my, that's my full-time gig. Um, but then I'm you know, providing some support to other schools outside of that. I'm also, you know, very passionate about cybersecurity education. So I'm working, you know, with some other groups as well to help, you know, develop, you know, develop programs, develop courses that, you know, cybersecurity is constantly changing. It's constantly evolving. There's so many new technologies that are coming out. And so we've got to be able to figure out the different cybersecurity implications with some of these newer technologies. And then we have to be able to train people on them. So I'm doing some work there as well to try to keep the profession going and educated and, and understanding, you know, the implications of some of these newer technologies coming out. Yeah, that's great. We're launching CyberEd and about, well, the target launch date is June 30th. So, you know, it'd be, it would probably be a good idea for you and I and our team to sit down and see how we can help each other in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't talked anything at all about the sort of global situation. You know, we we had Colonial Pipeline attacked uh, last Friday, and I'm sure you're aware of all of that. What's your take on kind of where we are from a preparedness, readiness point of view for attacks like the one we saw on Colonial on critical infrastructure? That's a very loaded question. I think that the people who are concerned understand 
the reasons why to be concerned. And I think that the people who aren't concerned might not just understand why they need to be concerned. I think anybody that's worked in cybersecurity for any length of time have, have seen this, you know, <laughs> that, you know, bio warfare, attack on critical infrastructure. These are these are the real issues that we need to be worried about. I think that sometimes with cybersecurity, it seems sort of, it's very elusive, just somebody, like they don't understand it. They can't see it. They can't necessarily see it until it personally affects them. So they just don't quite understand, you know, how big of a deal this really is. And so knowing that there are you know, there are groups of people that are, they're interested in attacking critical infrastructure and, and creating chaos and creating fear. You know, that's the goal. So when we see things like what, what happened with Colonial, that's a real, real, real wake up call for a lot of people that, hey, this happened. And now we don't have access to fuel. Gas prices are going up. And it all is a result of, a, of an attack on, you know, on the pipeline. I'm hoping that this is a wake-up call to many people to help drive the importance of cybersecurity with regards to critical infrastructure. Even if you look at something like like the pandemic, like we don't necessarily know exactly 100. You know, and I'm not a you know I'm not a I don't study viruses and that kind of thing. But you know, the the, the technology is there to create these things, and it can it can affect it can affect the globe. And again, just create create chaos, create panic. So I think that I'm, I'm really hoping that this is a wake-up call for a lot of people that this is no longer just your Facebook account getting hacked. This is this is real life, and and this can this can affect this can affect people in some big ways. Yeah, I'm sure the folks waiting in the gas lines in the Carolinas uh, probably have a different view of the world today than they did a week ago. Final question, Heather. I'm conscious of the clock here. The U.S. has fallen pretty far behind our adversaries and in cybersecurity and artificial intelligence, machine learning and quantum research. The Chinese and the Russians both have issued global warnings that whoever controls these technologies will rule the world. And they've invested significantly more in R&D and, of course, steal all of our IP in addition to that. What's your prognosis for, for the next few years on a global scale? You know, I'm going to go I'm going to go back to education and training because that's where I think that this all starts. I think that STEM education has really taken a forefront in in the education world in the last probably 15 years or so. And there's a lot of effort to try to get kids interested in, in STEM careers and become creators of technology versus consumers of technology. You know, I think that you often hear you often hear that some people will say that their eight-year-old knows more about technology than they do. Um, but the reality is, is they're really good consumers of technology. So I think that the shift needs to be from, you know, raising a generation of, of people who are, you know, very smart, talented, and capable, but raising, raising them in the way of becoming creators of technology versus consumers of technology. So, you know, if, you, if they find a problem that they, that they need to solve, how can, how can you create a new technology to solve that particular problem? Um, if you look at some other cultures, it's very prestigious to work in the technology industry. It's very, it's very well regarded, much like we re-regard in our culture, you know, you know, physicians and, and healers and, 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 you know, business people, very, 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 you know, profound careers like that, right? That, that shift needs to happen to, you know, okay, these are, these are very good careers, but these careers over here, these STEM careers over here are very, very good careers. They're very lucrative and you can help change the world. You can, you can solve some pretty big, significant world problems just through the use of technology 
engineering, and those sort of things. So I think that 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 shift just needs to happen from you know that that paradigm shift needs to happen from looking at technology as something that we just consume versus versus create. Yeah, and you know positioning these fields as uh, you know technology, engineering, and math, for example, are, it can be off-putting to folks that are sort of afraid of math uh, and maybe aren't very good at it. But uh, to me, you know, cybersecurity is a, is a problem-solving exercise. It's uh, like doing crossword puzzles in a way, right? I mean, so it exercises your, your mind if you're in any kind of role within cybersecurity. So maybe changing the positioning of this to, uh, to a problem-solving exercise isn't quite as freaky as, you know, like, hey, Want to study quantum mechanics or <laughs> quantum physics? Right, right. And there's, I mean, there's absolutely a need for people that understand calculus and you know linear algebra and these kinds of things that in applying applying them to physics and quantum computing. And there's absolutely a need for that. But there's so many ways you can get involved in technology and and, and becoming creators of technology. And and you know, if if you know a little bit of algebra, you're going to do okay. And, you know, with cybersecurity, I always, you know, I was kind of saying they're, they're starting to kind of study this a little bit now, too, that cybersecurity is like a it's like a treasure hunt. And kids that are really good at gaming it, you know, are very good at, you know, considering strategy and, and you know, looking at things from the from the bigger picture and making decisions, making quick decisions and investigating that kind of thing. And so they're saying, you know, there's some research coming out now saying that, you know, some of these kids, are, these are going to be great. These are kids are going to be great at cybersecurity because cybersecurity is just that it's 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 investigating. It's like a treasure hunt. And you're just you, you're following one clue to the next clue. And, you know, sure, you know, sure, math is going to help with that, but it's not the end all be all there. Absolutely not. Absolutely. And we're out of time today, Heather, but I, I think we did a pretty good job here of talking about the need for education and and uh, cybersecurity, and uh, and hopefully this will be intriguing to some of our listeners, and we'll get more people involved here. So I want to thank you again for taking time out of your schedule to join me in what I thought was a very nice exchange, and thank you to our listeners for joining us in another episode of Cyber Theory's exploration into the complex world of cybersecurity, technology, and digital realities. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve King, signing out. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cybersecurity Unplugged. You can connect with us on LinkedIn or Facebook at Cyber Theory, or send us an email at social at cybertheory.io. For more information about the podcast, visit cybertheory.io forward slash podcast. Until next week, thanks again.